Hi everyone, it's your host Liz and welcome back to the podcast. Each week I interview the new generation of New York City hustlers, creators, and dreamers. Our guest on today's episode is Kellen McMullen from Illinois. Kellen is sharing her personal journey to New York City from how she became an assistant buyer to a lifestyle blogger. We talk about a variety of topics from our college experiences, career advice to our city favorites. This is Realistically with Liz. Hi, Kellen. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I want to just start right off by asking you to share with the audience where you grew up, where you went to school, and when you got to New York. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Illinois in the west suburbs of Chicago, like an hour and a half west, a little town called Elburn. And it's a very like farm town. There's a lot of cornfields. We had a bring your tractor to school day. Um, So very different than New York City. So uh, that's where I grew up. And then I went to Indiana for college, which is the state right next door at Ball State University. And that's where I studied fashion merchandising and marketing. And that's kind of what led me coming to New York City. So I graduated college in 2018, and then I moved to New York City that same year. So I moved here November 2018. So getting really close to two years, which is so crazy to say. I feel like time flies so fast when you're in this city. (laughs) When I think about, you know, starting the podcast now, 10 years, (laughs) my anniversary in New York, it's it's really, it's really crazy because I honestly, I was just thinking about it today. I never really thought I would see myself here 10 years later. It, it was interesting because off the bat when I, you know, applied to FIT to, to study fashion merchandising as well, I yeah. went in with the intention, okay, I'll get my degree, you know, I'll be four years here and then like, who knows what's next. And right. I had this idea, um, which I've talked about before. I had, I always thought that I was going to move to California for some reason. Wow. And I think it's because, you know, secretly like I always had like a passion for like TVs and and like movies like I didn't want to be a movie star but I I thought of the idea of like working behind the scenes and mm-hmm. I was like oh maybe I can work in you know costume or you know with the like dressing and like you know styling like yeah. actors and stuff for movies cool. and that was really something that I always thought about and I think that in college like seeing shows like Rachel Zoe like seeing that there was like an actual show about a stylist I was like, this is real. Like, this is like a legit opportunity. I definitely did not pursue that, which sometimes I'm like, hmm, should I have done that? I mean, it's obviously not too late, but I know that you, yeah. you definitely have to like really earn your stripes in that, yeah. like in that lane of the industry, especially, I mean, just in, in general, like in any industry, but especially fashion, I feel like you have to really, you know, start from the bottom and make your way up, make those connections and really, you know, push forward. Yeah, definitely. That's so crazy. I mean, East Coast versus West Coast, they're pretty different. So it's interesting <laughs> that you consider California at one point. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, I mean, be, growing up at Puerto Rico, I think the idea of just being on a coastline, because it's not yeah. the same thing, obviously, being on a coastline here in New York, you know having the beach nearby and, you know, the car aspect of things like that wasn't a big, that wouldn't have been, been a big culture shock for me. California probably, you know, obviously it's lively there too. It's, it's definitely always like, you know, the polar opposite of New York, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it wasn't until my third year in college that I did an internship out there. And I think it was just probably just not the right setting for me at the time. I was still, I think I was 21 when I went, but 
I didn't have a car. So that made it super difficult to get around. I didn't go with anybody I knew. So that was like really hard. Like it was for an internship. So I really just had to, I was only interacting with people that I saw at like the office was interning like five days a week. It was like a legit, like I was interning under a buyer. So that, cause that's what I thought I was, I wanted to be too. I thought I was going to go into buying. So I was like, I'm going to do my internship in buying. And I wanted to do it in California because honestly, I knew New York had so many opportunities and, you know, I mean, some of the largest brands are here in New York, but I was like, okay, like, let me do something a little different, test out the waters, test out my theory of like moving to California too. Even though like, I didn't know anybody out there. I was like, why not? And once I got the internship, I feel like that like solidified my idea of like, this is not like a far-fetched like goal of mine. Right. That's so interesting. I love that though. I feel like for college students who are listening, like they totally should try doing internships in different states. Like that's what I did. I moved to New York for the summer. And I feel like that's how you really get a feel for the place that you might end up in because you don't want to wait until you graduate college and move somewhere permanently to find out that like you hate it there because then you have to pick everything back up again and move somewhere else and try that spot. So I feel like internships, especially summer internships where you can live somewhere for three months or whatever is the perfect way to explore different parts of the country. (laughs) I definitely agree. I know that, you know, thinking about it might seem a little hard at times because maybe, I don't know, you don't, you don't think you, I don't know if at the time you're in, you're in high school, so maybe you don't, or not in high school, you're in college too, maybe you're doing an internship. So you might think, oh, like my parents are already paying for school or, you know, I think there's always different ways to look at it. And now I feel like there's so many more resources out there um, in terms of like, let's say you do want to dorm with other college students or, you know, try to find easy housing. Cause I think that was really what happened to me. Like I, stayed somewhere that was like off campus for USC students, but yeah. it just didn't really feel like college E like vibes. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, okay, like I missed out on that, but it was still very different from what I was doing in New York. Like at the time I wasn't living in the dorms anymore. I was living in Brooklyn. So I was definitely experiencing like both worlds. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that is true. Like, that's a good point to bring up. I feel like when you're a college student, you really want that college community feel so you can meet other college students and have friends that way. And then, yeah, when you're at an internship, like getting an apartment, things like that, it's very difficult to figure out. And you might not always meet up with other college students, which can be difficult to like make that friend group during that summer. So that's a really good point. We have talked about this before on the podcast a lot, just kind of having those those initial struggles of like moving to a new city or even when it's in college, because a lot of my guests have, have moved to New York, you know, when they're 18, 19, about to, you know, start college. And just being in the city overall is like so stimulating, but not having that typical college experience and mm-hmm. expecting it. For me, I think I was like, darn it, I wish I did have that college experience. You know, I feel like more schools now have, you know, a program around it or maybe have like an addition to business school with fashion. Mm -hmm. But definitely 10 years ago, I think it was just, you had like the Mecca. It was like FIT, FITM, and then like one other school, I want to say. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because, you know, I, I actually started college as a biology major So I really wanted that college experience. I was like, I'm going to go to a four-year university and get that campus experience and like make all my friends at my college school and everything. And 
I ended up switching to fashion merchandising. And when I did that, my mom was like, hey, like you should really look into like a city school. Like you can get more internships that way. And like, I feel like, like you said, like those are like the main schools to get a fashion degree. And I was just like, I don't want that like city experience. Like I want these four years to be like on a college campus so I can make my friends that I want to make. And that was like a big like decision. I was like, I'm either going to transfer schools because I'm switching my major or I'm going to figure it out at this current, like at Ball State University. Um, but no, I feel like everyone kind of has to figure out when they're going to college, what experience they want. Like, do they want the football games and that college campus or do they want to be in a big city like on their own and just like kind of integrating that school life with that city life? Yeah. I, I never thought of it that way. I, I think that my immediate goal like coming out of high school was I don't want to be in Puerto Rico I want like a just a change of scenery even though yeah it's like great like you know it's always like sunny for most of the port like most of most of the time it's sunny if you're not in hurricane season and you go to the beach and you know everything was was nice but it just seemed like it was already part of like a normal routine for me and I was like, what are the chances? Like, what are the chances that I get into this school? And it was funny because I was in between going to FIT and going to a, one of the art institutes that offered fashion merchandising in Miami. And I remember (laughs) visiting Miami and I was like, this looks just like home. Like it felt so similar, like, you know, the driving aspect, uh, the dorms were like pretty far from the actual school, not super far, but they were definitely like a five minute car drive, which is not obviously like walkable. Like you see people walking in Miami, but you see people walking like in the South Beach area and like actual Miami area, other parts of, you know, Florida are not really as accessible without a car either. So it was a lot of things to think about. And I think having that commute on foot once I went to New York was something that I definitely liked more, even though I wasn't thrilled by when I, and it's funny because I always come back to this. I definitely feel like I signed up for like the wrong uh, tour at FIT or when I, when I came to New York because I was just not impressed and it was too late to sign up. We were only there for a certain amount of days, like kind of doing that college road trip. And yeah, yeah, I was like, okay, like that's it. And it's crazy because schools like that, that are city-based are smaller. So I think I expected like, oh my God, like multiple buildings, a whole area. Like for instance, when you think of NYU, NYU has so many buildings around the city and you know, you go to FIT and it's still just that one like avenue it's still seventh yeah. avenue so definitely took took getting used to yeah I'm sure I'm sure I mean there's such a big difference between going to like school in a city versus school on a college campus that's kind of in the middle of nowhere and you just have your little campus you don't really leave that area but yeah no now that I live in this city it's always interesting I just like randomly stumble upon like an NYU building or an FIT building I'm like oh I forget that like universities are like in the city with us <laughs> Yeah, definitely. What really caused the shift from biology to to fashion? Was it like, did you go into biology because it was something that you were just good at in high school and you thought, why not? Let me start here. And then you kind of decided to go on a more, you know, passionate route. Yeah, basically. So I, I was really good at biology in high school. I was in like AP classes, AP chemistry. I loved science. And at the time I was really excited about genetics and DNA and everything that goes with that. And I wanted to be a genetic counselor. Um, So that's kind of what I mapped out my career path for. And that's what I found a university to study. 
So I picked Ball State University because they offered that program and it was just one state over. So kind of far from home, but not too far. And I did that and I had my first semester and I mean, I was good. I got A's and B's like I was fine at the classwork, but I wasn't passionate. Like you said, I was like missing that passion. And I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life if I don't make a change. Like I'm good at something, but it doesn't mean I love it. But I really did like the like formula side of things and like chemistry and doing math. And I feel like I'm kind of a geek in that way. Like I really do enjoy doing math problems and solving things like that. So I was also really passionate about fashion because I did work as a model while in high school and I made a lot of connections that way. And I realized that Ball State offered a fashion merchandising program, which I didn't know what that meant. I was like fashion, okay, I get that, but what's merchandising? And I did more research into it and learned that fashion buying was a career option and that really does involve math plus fashion. Like you get both sides of it. You're picking out clothes, but you're also doing a lot of math on the back end. Some people don't like that part, but I was like, yes, like I get to do math and work with clothes all day. Like that sounds perfect for me. So I did switch my major after my first semester of college to fashion merchandising, did the whole thing where I was like, do I stay at this school? Do I transfer to a fashion school that might give me more opportunities? Decided to stick with my current school and I don't regret a thing. It was the best college experience. I still got a buying job out of college, which is just amazing. I know this field is very competitive. So the fact that I made it out here in New York City with a buying role, just, I feel like I did the things I was supposed to do. <laughs> you know, going to FIT and, and studying the same major, it's, it's interesting to get the perspective of someone that, you know, did it and not in a city school. And yeah. buying is definitely something that is very much preached about in, in FIT and, and kind yeah. of doing, when you do your, um, kind of like your more focused classes in in your bachelor's degree, it's like buying and planning is one and then retail and sales is another lane. And then there's a third one that I forget about. Well, at least when yeah. I went to school, that's, that was the focuses. And yeah, I mean, I just remember, I don't know if I didn't, like, I was definitely really good at math in high school, but I feel like afterwards, like my first two years, like there was zero focus on math. So I feel like that, like not practicing it probably just like it left me completely and then going into like your third and fourth years where it was like more focused, they were like, okay, great. Like we're, that was like your buying class where you had to like look at a sales report, do it online, like all the things. And it was like, not like, it was not clicking with me. And I feel like it was just that lapse of two years that there was no math focus and it was funny because like, it's true. Not a lot of people like that part of buying and <laughs> they don't think it's almost as involved. And you're like, no, you're like staring at a report all day. Like what are you like that? It's not just the pretty clothes at market. No. And some of my earlier episodes of the podcast, I interviewed a couple of my friends from fashion that I've made over the years that have worked more on the sales side of things and mm -hmm. are not in the buying track but they're involved yeah. with the wholesale side still. So it's funny because they'll be like, oh, I'm part of all the meetings, like all the market appointments with like different retailers, but I'm not the one sitting behind the computer. So they're like, I'm completely happy about that. They're like, I'll do line sheets, but projections and all. They're like, no, hard pass on that front. And there yeah. are a lot of different lanes. Like you don't have to go st like straight to buying in, you know, whether or not it is in a, a excuse me, whether or not it is a competitive field because in general fashion yeah. is. So 
you should be trying to figure out like what makes sense for you. Cause exactly like what you said earlier, like, you know, early on you were like, great, like, am I going to stay doing biology? And then this is going to be my full, like my long-term career. So I think that in the fashion world, it at least gives you, you have like the opportunity to do a couple different things. Like even with the, like with a degree or even without a degree, having those different connections. Cause as you mentioned, you were modeling early on. So, you know, connecting modeling to even fashion merchandising, like you wouldn't necessarily expect that, but it happened. And, you know, that's what made it work for you. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. That's so true. Like if you're someone listening to this and you are studying fashion merchandising, there are so many career paths for you. And you probably know that there's like styling, there's visual merchandising, buying, you can be on the sales side of things. Like you said, you have some friends that do that. And I mean, those are just a few things. There's so many ways you can take this major and you might not even end up doing anything in fashion. I have a few friends that studied fashion merchandising and then they graduate and they're like, you know what, I'm going to go into a totally different field and they love their current jobs. So I feel like And I I feel like that's also just a thing in general with college. You don't always end up doing the thing that you studied in college. So don't ever stress out and feel like there's only one career path for you with whatever major you're studying. But yeah, no, buying is like, to be totally honest, like if you're not someone who enjoys math, you probably won't enjoy being a buyer. But I do recommend that people try internships. And I feel like that's the best way to kind of figure out what career path within fashion that you want to go after. I did a social media marketing internship and then I did a buying internship and I kind of figured out that way. Like I do enjoy social media and I'm going to do it as a side hustle, but I really, really enjoy buying and like the math side of things. That's what I want to do full time. But yeah, if you're a fashion student, there's just know there's so many ways you can take that. Yeah. I'll have to second that notion because even, you know, going into it, you, you think, okay, maybe there's only one lane. And, you know, as you move forward, like that was really, I started working a lot in retail and then that's why it kind of made sense for me to continue my path in sales. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, especially if you find yourself in New York too, it's very easy to pivot here. There are so many opportunities that you need to value your connections and really, you know, show them what you're passionate about and make that well known. Because I think that if you don't know, it's going to be hard for someone else to know and say like, oh, I'm going to recommend, you know, Liz Kellen for something, but they don't, they don't know what they want. I always say this, I wish I did more internships, but since I worked so much, I feel like, again, that was my focus was always on sales. And because, you know, at one point I was like, maybe my career long-term would be in sales because, you know, I was a store manager. And I was like, okay, is this, you know, there's store directors, there's regional like area managers. And then there's like sales directors. Like there's so many different levels of things that you might not think exist because you just don't see them. It's not like you go to college, you sign up for a major and then they tell you, here are your career choices. Like (laughs) they can't fit all of those in like one piece of paper. No, especially in fashion too. I feel like I mean, certain careers and like majors, like in biology, you can only do so many things with a biology degree. But then fashion, I feel like it's so open-ended and you learn a lot of skills in the fashion programs that you can really apply in multiple different career settings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You mentioned before a little bit that you did an internship in social media and that you decided it was more of like a passion project for you rather than a career. So when did you start your blog? Yeah. 
So my blog actually started my freshman year of college and it was just a way for like me to document my college experiences and share it with family back home just because I felt like I was very busy. I wasn't always on the phone with them. So I was like, hey, just like follow along with my blog. So I really just shared a lot about college, like what my dorm room looked like, things like that. And obviously with time, it's transitioned a little bit more to talk more about like fashion and lifestyle. And now I get to work with brands doing that. But back in college, that's kind of how it started. And I really love social media. And with that blog, I was able to apply to some social media marketing internships. My minor was marketing. And I was like, why not explore this minor and see if that's something I want to pursue? And at the time, I was like, you know what? Like, I have nothing to lose for the summer. Like, everyone goes home. And it's, like, very boring to be home for the summer with your family. So I was like, I'm going to apply to internships in different states and just see what happens. So I applied to some in California, a lot in New York City. And I actually ended up getting one. And it was for a jewelry company. They were a startup called Nava New York. They're no longer around. They did not make it, unfortunately. But at the time, they were known for making sorority jewelry and like all the little necklaces and lavaliers that the girls would wear. And they customized jewelry as well. So I ended up getting an interview there. And because I was in a sorority and I had a blog and a lot of social media experience, I was able to joined their program as an intern with three other girls. And at the time, I mean, it was $9 an hour. And this was me like doing everything myself. My parents didn't help me at all. So I had to pay for my own flight. I had to find a sublease, which in New York City is just wild. The whole rent and subleasing thing is just very intense here. And you never find anything until the last minute either. I remember I like booked my flight and everything. And it was like the week before I was supposed to leave, I still didn't have an apartment lined up. and. Oh my gosh, it was stressful. So back then I actually used the Facebook group Gypsy Housing. If you're a New Yorker, you know what that is. And I actually ended up getting a bedroom and I split it with another girl who was in the intern program with me. So we had like two mattresses on the floor in this bedroom in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And that's how we were able to afford rent on $9 an hour. So we were totally like bumming it for the summer, but we loved it. Like we got the true New York experience and like I feel like I had so much fun that summer and you don't have to make a lot of money here to have fun. There's a lot of free things the city offers. So that's what I did for that summer and it was social media marketing. So a lot of that internship consisted of creating content, putting together content calendars, proposing different photo shoots, finding models, getting outfits, styling the models, styling the jewelry, taking out a camera and actually shooting everything, editing all the posts, like prepping all the captions, getting approval for that finding hashtags, doing a bunch of research, and actually posting. And we also had the blog, and at the time, Tumblr was still really big. I mean, I feel like it's still a relevant platform, but back then it was like very popular. So we also ran their Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. And I feel like I loved that internship experience, and it was so much fun. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this full time because it kind of I feel like social media in general can be a little overwhelming. There's a lot of content to consume. And I was like, I think I need a break, like from nine to five, I just want to focus on something else. And then just for like a limited part of the day, I'll focus on social media. That's kind of how I decided that social media is fun. It's something I'm passionate about, but it's not something that I really want to do full time. Yeah. I mean, looking at your Instagram right away, you do share that you're, you always say like, oh, it's a nine to five. And then you're sharing, you know, your lifestyle and beauty tips when you're offline from work. Yes. And it, it's, it's interesting though, to, to come to that realization too, and, and say, okay, I'm not going to do this full time building a community. And that's, that's still work, you know, that yeah. has to go into a blog and, and building your audience. 
I wanted to mention back to when you when you said gypsy housing because I've definitely <laughs> am part of that group on Facebook. At first, when I was trying to move off campus, so I was paying out of state tuition, and I was like, "My God, I'm yeah. screwed!" I'm like, "Why <laughs> did I do this to myself?" Yeah. So I remember trying to look for rooms there, and then I I feel like we ended up like finding an apartment like on Craigslist. Like I moved with like two other girls from from uh. FIT, and then. <laughs> that worked out for like a year and then <laughs> it slowly declined yeah. like as soon as that happened. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I remember I kind of, it was just like all of a sudden, like I try to like think back and I feel like I blacked out in those years. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I lived, um, with some like college friends like for a year. And then afterwards I, we just had like huge falling out. Mm-hmm. moved in with my sister who luckily like lived in New York even though like she lived like on the other side like in the Bronx which literally is another world yeah. so I did that for my last year of college and then once I graduated I kind of like milked it for a while and then I was like okay I really need to find a place so that's when I started using Gypsy again you know mm-hmm. trying to sublease trying to do something because I really I couldn't, I mean, you can't, you can like, especially like out of college, I was like, I don't have the means to, you know, put up all this money for an apartment, especially if it was just me at the time. A lot of people that go to FIT are local. So whether yeah. they're from Long Island or Jersey, so they were like, oh, well, we're going to move back home until we get jobs. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's not an option for me. I was like, if I move back home, that's done. <laughs> So I was like, New York City it is. Yeah. And I had worked in retail for, for a couple of years already. You know, having those connections, it was really just how like my career like continued to progress. It's interesting you say that because I feel like I knew nobody in fashion. And that's why I was so hesitant to change my major because I know it is a lot about who you know to like get the foot in the door in a lot of like companies here. And I knew nobody. I don't know anybody who works in fashion. I didn't know anyone who lived in New York City. So it was very scary to go out on my own. So I guess just know if you're listening and you don't know anybody, like don't panic. There's still ways to get your foot in the door. I took my first buying job in Chicago at a smaller company. I had to get my work experience before I was able to get my foot in the door at a company here in New York City. So just know like even if you don't know anybody, there's still options for you. But just know you might have to take some roundabout ways that people don't usually talk about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, my first retail job, I literally like just walked into a store and yeah. asked if they were hiring. You know, some places like we'll take your resume and then like maybe yeah. they don't talk to you on the spot. But a lot of times it is like that. Like I remember I'm thinking of one of my friends, she was shopping at J. Crew. And someone approached her because they liked her style and they were like, Hey, we're actually hiring. So I remember her telling me that. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. Like I, I worked at a store that I honestly didn't even love the clothes. I, I worked at Ted Baker and Ted Baker is like the most lavish, like super bright yeah. colors everywhere. And I was like, my God. <laughs> and then when the, when I first started, I remember it wasn't mandatory to wear the clothing. So I liked that okay. fact. And I was like, okay, great. That lasted like two months. And then they were like, oh, like new company policy. You have to wear our clothes. Obviously there was like some perks. There were some discounts. Obviously they try to help you out. Um, But you still have to, you know, put up your own money to do that. 
So (laughs) I remember just picking out like a simple, I was like a black dress. I was like, find a black dress, find (laughs) something without a print. Um, But you know, some of the things were, looking back at it now, it's like some of the pieces they made are iconic. Like I could definitely tell, like if I'm walking down the street, if someone's wearing something from a certain brand that I used to work in, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I would always notice this. So, and I'm like, first of all, this is a terrible adaptation. I Uh would watch Shameless, if you've ever watched Shameless, and the main girl, Emmy Rossum, or I think that's her name, her character would wear mother jeans, and I'm like, homegirl can't pay her own rent, she is not wearing $250 jeans from mother, I would just notice because they had like <laughs> like the stitching on the back and I was like, oh my God, like why? it was fun because I would see that on like different shows and like looking back at it, you kind of see what was popular at the time. Like recently yeah. I started rewatching Gilmore Girls because like you have to do that every yes. once in a while. Yes, you, um, have <laughs> you just have to. And Lorelai's always wearing like seven jeans. And I was like, yeah, yeah. because when the show came out in like early 2000s, that was like the mm-hmm. brand. That was like yeah. what you had to be wearing when like Luca jeans were still in style and like yes. before the skinny like took off. Yes. So that's what I love too so much about fashion is that it's really all around you from how you recognize like certain people, certain cities based on like what they're wearing. Oh, for sure. And I feel like, I mean, I came from a school in Indiana where people just wore leggings and t-shirts to class and that was it. Like the only time you would dress up is if you're going to the bar, which again is a very different look. So like nobody was ever really dressed up, even in the fashion program. Whereas I feel like what I've seen from FIT students, just like walking down that street and seeing students like out and about, like they're so dressed up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I would have been shunned if I showed up to FIT wearing like leggings, <laughs> an oversized t-shirt that like covered my booty. So it's very interesting you say that. And now that I work in fashion and obviously just being in New York City, it's so interesting to see people just walking down the street. And I feel like I get so much inspiration about like outfits just from what I see people wearing out and about. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen people in (laughs) leggings and sweatshirts at FIT in my days. Like there was definitely, I always say this, when I went to college, it was like the years of like the Jeffrey Campbell boots and the Michael Kors (laughs) bags. So that was definitely you definitely had a mix of both. You had people that definitely were just like, I'm riding it out college vibes. Like, especially if they were commuting a lot of, like if they weren't dorming, they weren't spending the extra hour getting dressed. They were coming in and like, especially once it gets cold in the city. Yeah. Everybody branded FIT sweatshirt. That was it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's good to hear. I always feel like when I walk down that street, I'm like, oh, so this is like the trendy people. I'm like, this is what I should be wearing. (laughs) I mean, I think at the time it was definitely intimidating too, because even going into fashion merchandising, you might have the idea that you have to be super fashionable or you have to be wearing like everything on brand or just like be super styled. And that wasn't the case for me. And I know uh, some people that also study fashion, they felt the same way. You don't have to like fit into that box of like, I look super fashionable my go-to will always be like a good pair of jeans and a white t-shirt. Like that's like kind of my perfect ideal outfit in any scenario. And even though it may look like basics, I'm still wearing like a good, like I know like the quality is good. And I think of like other things when I'm wearing an outfit. And it wasn't until after college that that's really when I saw brands like for what they are, because, you know, on a college student budget, you're not really thinking of everything. And I remember like the first time 
I bought myself something expensive, like by myself, like with my own paycheck. Like that was definitely like a milestone. And I'm going to ask you what you did with that. So my first big like adult purchase was an Alexander Wang bag. I remember walking to the store in Soho and I've always been a big bag person. And I was like, I'm going to buy a bag. I'm going to do it. Did it with like my debit card too, like, which I knew it was like, you had to have the money on your card. And it was like the biggest purchase I had made like on my own, like after college. Like it was like, once I had a job, that was like my reward to myself. Yeah. Now you have to do something. I feel like for me, like when I first started after college, I was in Chicago, I was living with my parents and I was saving like every dime because I knew I wanted to move to New York at some point and I was interviewing and applying. So I feel like I never had that first like big purchase. And even now, like, I don't, like you said, you don't have to be super into designer to work in fashion. Um, so I guess like my biggest purchase is probably like a $250 Kate Spade purse. And I was so excited. I still wear it all the time. I love it. But I mean, I work at Ross stores, which is Ross Dress for Less. I mean, obviously we're all about bang for your buck. And I feel like I've always been that shopper. Like I loved going to like Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Ross, and finding the like designer clothes at a discounted price. So yeah, I feel like everyone has different experiences in the fashion industry. Some people are all about working in luxury and buying luxury clothes and going to those showrooms. And then for me, I'm like, I don't really care too much about the label. Like if I like how it fits, I like how it feels, the quality, like I'm totally fine with it. I think it's interesting to to share that uh, perspective because similarly, you know, even though I've worked on the brand side of things, like I never worked for a large like retailer like Ross I always worked for a brand and there was like, again, there's perks when you work in fashion, there's, you know, discounts here, sample sales here, you know, secret codes here and there now for digital. (laughs) And I got, you know, a a pretty nice like closet selection quite some time that, you know, New York city apartments did not, weren't very happy about. (laughs) Like I had a rolling rack in one of my apartments because literally that was the only way things could fit. Um, (laughs) But there's also so many different options now. I feel like, you know, certain times you may think that there's only expensive or there's only like non-expensive, but there's so much variety, whether it's like all these like digital brands or, you know, brands like Everlane, for instance, which is, this is not sponsored. Shout out Everlane. (laughs) And I think for clothing, I'm definitely very neutral on that. Like I don't dress designer, but when it comes to like, small leather goods and shoes that's like when I'll start splurging more and again I was surrounded by it but when I tell my mom how much a Celine bag costs she loses her mind and she's like I'm gonna disown you like what like that she's like that's like a car payment what are you talking about yeah exactly no it's funny getting like different perspectives because I feel like yeah some people love the designer some people like you said like it's just in the accessories like the handbags like I love like a designer handband. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to own one one day. (laughs) But for now, like I'm just like living to my means. I'm in a tiny studio apartment and just kind of getting more of the experience. But no, don't get me wrong. One day I will treat myself to a very nice handbag. And I feel like watching like Sex in the City, I mean, binging it per usual. I've watched it like three times now. And just like seeing them and their outfits and the designers that they're just wearing so casually. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, don't get me wrong. When you first moved to New York City, you're probably not going to be living Carrie Bradshaw's lifestyle. <laughs> no, guys, it's not real. Like, no. <laughs> 10 years in, unless you have like a sugar daddy or a sugar mama, 
Like, yeah. like there's certain scenes of the show, like when they, like obviously that she never, they never show her kitchen because it doesn't exist yeah. because yeah. it's her closet. <laughs> like her shoebox are everywhere in there. So I was watching a show recently called Katie Keene and I was interested in watching it because it's Lucy Hale and I love Lucy Hale. Yeah. And it's all about like a group of friends making it in New York and they live in an apartment in like Washington Heights and it's it's great one of them is a drag queen one of them just moved from like a small town so it's a character a character from Riverdale and then she has this like persona of like a very glamorous person like lives at a hotel you end up finding out more about her that's not really her life but it was yeah. so interesting it's kind of too much it's a little cheesy honestly it, it, it goes like extreme new york city but yeah. what i loved about it and why i'm mentioning it is because they lucy hill's character is a stylist at a department store and the department store is Bergdorf Goodman but they changed the name oh, but it's yeah. literally the facade like when they show the outside it's Bergdorf Goodman and yeah. I worked at Bergdorf for so long it was one of like our biggest retail partnerships and you know I never would have thought that I had never I didn't even know what the word Bergdorf Goodman was <laughs> no. and until I finally went into the store and it was like during my interview process I I went to the store and I was like oh my god this store I can't afford anything here I was like <laughs> right. shit I was like maybe in the beauty section which even yeah, though it's right. still very intimidating I love when like fashion is incorporated like movies and tv shows when Ocean's 8 came out with Sandra Bullock the first yeah. scene that she gets out of jail she goes and shoplifts <laughs> ever <laughs> Yes. And it's so iconic. Like she goes through the floor and it's just like, everything's just so luxurious. And, but again, you can still go and enjoy those stores. And like, like, yeah. let's say you can go buy your makeup there and you can still enjoy a very luxury store without having to like, you know, spend all your money there. <laughs> exactly. And that's like what my internship experience was. And like, I had so much fun. Like we would just go window shopping, like look at all the clothes and be like, oh my gosh, like one day. And we just like lived our best lives as like, broke college kids living in New York City and just wanted to get the best experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which speaking of, I want to go into my all about New York section. We've obviously talked about, you know, different experiences, being crafty. So what are some of your favorite places in New York City? Yeah. So I'm currently living in the Upper East Side, which I love. And it's actually a pretty good neighborhood to get bang for your buck. I know everyone thinks Upper East Side, they think Gossip Girl and expensive penthouses, and that definitely exists. But there's also like little walk-up apartments that you can get for a reasonable price. So now I'm in the Upper East Side, and I feel like with COVID, I've really only stayed in the Upper East Side lately. Um, but one thing that I love doing up here is the Met. And if you live in New York City and you have a New York City address, you're able to go in and just donate an amount. You don't have to pay the full ticket price if you choose not to. Still donate though, because they need it, especially during these times. But I love the Met and it's so beautiful. And the rooftop there is just amazing. You get this awesome view of the city. And again, that's something you can do here that doesn't really cost a lot of money for brunches and stuff. I love bottomless brunches. Those are always so fun. I feel like in New York City, especially when it comes to restaurants, I feel like I try not to go to the same place more than once because there's just so much to try all the time. So we kind of bop around a lot. But one place that I've loved is it's called Shushu Nolita. And it's like a Mediterranean brunch spot. And they have like really good hummus and drinks for dinner. One of my favorite things to do with my girlfriends when things were more normal was go to San Marzano. And I think it's an East Village, possibly, if you've know where that is i'm not sure san marzano 
Yeah, it's like a pasta restaurant. And like the thing that I love I the think, most. I think it is. Yeah, it's a second avenue. So definitely somewhere East Village. Yeah. I just love that. And like what we would do is if you have a reservation of four or more, you basically have to participate in their unlimited wine, which we were like all for. That would be like our pregame. We would go get pasta and it was just unlimited wine. And I think it was like an hour and a half or two. So we just like eat our pasta, our dinner, pregame with the wine and then go out. And that was like the most fun experience. Um, and then when it comes to like just random restaurants, I love tacos. I mean, there's so many different taco places here. One of my favorites was Boracito. It's also in the East Village. It's actually like inside a bar called the Garrett. And then you go like through the bar and it's in the back. It's like this little taco shack within the bar, which is really fun. Um, but their tacos are just like amazing. And there's so many like amazing spots in New York City, but those are just a few that come to mind. <laughs> yeah. I think the fun thing about New York too is that you can find like a place inside a place or there's still a lot of spots <laughs> that are like secret. Like I remember... Yeah. Um, one of my old roommates had just moved here from San Francisco and she was like really into jazz. And then she ended up just like finding all these like kind of speakeasy places. And I was like, how are you finding these? I was like, I mean, obviously there's a crowd for it and everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's like so interesting. Cause even just like the, like the thought process behind doing all of that, even in New York too, I'm like, that's like, you know, it really is, it takes a lot to, to yeah. do something super creative for people to like keep coming back to. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. I feel like when you find like different friend groups here and you got with them, like everyone has their favorite spots that they want to show you. So like, especially when you first move to the city, like try to find a friend group who's been here, who like knows places. And when I first did that, like my friends would take me like random speakeasies that were like hidden inside a bar and you like knock and give a passcode. I would have never done that on my own. Like I didn't even know that existed. And I feel like that's so funny, like you brought that point up, because there are so many secret things in New York City that people just walk by every day and have no idea that are there. Yeah, I remember, um, I want to say this has been a couple years, uh, when I found, I actually went to this hot dog place, I went to Criff Dogs, and Criff Dogs is attached to PDT, which is Please Don't Tell, and it yeah. was like that phone booth concept, <laughs> and I'm literally like getting excited because they have like a full menu, like not your traditional. They do like all these like crafty hot dogs. So I remember I used to get one. If you don't eat meat, I'm so sorry if you're listening. I used to get a hot dog that was like wrapped in bacon, had avocado and sour cream on it. Actually oh really God. good. Wow. And so there's one that's like, this is in, it's more on the East Village. And then there's one in Williamsburg, but the East Village one, that is the one that has PDT attached to it. Literally, there was, like, people, like, showing up, like, all dressed up, like, going into, like, a secret area, and I was, like, this is weird, guys, <laughs> but then I figured out that it was actually, like, a speakeasy bar there, and I was, like, oh, that's so fun, like, it's something that you just don't expect to, to, like, find yeah. if you do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, one of the things I love the most about the city is there's so many unexpected things all the time. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, to that point leads me to my next question, which is what do you love and what do you hate about New York City since you've moved here? <laughs> I think what I love is obviously like there's always spontaneous stuff happening all the time and I also just love like the hustle here and I feel like what really drew me to New York was how inspiring people are. I feel like everyone here has a purpose like you don't just move to the most expensive city to do nothing like you have a purpose for being here you have something you're passionate about you're working on something you have some sort of project and I think that's what I love the most and then also just at nighttime just seeing all the city lights I just always get inspired by that and I think what I hate is just how dirty it can be and I feel like that's what first turned me off to New York City I came here 
to do some casting calls for New York Fashion Week when I was in high school and with my modeling agency. And I hated it. Like the entire week I was here, I was like, I'm never coming back here. It's so dirty and gross and garbage and it smells bad. But eventually I like learned that the pros outweigh the cons for me. Also, I don't like how expensive it is. Like rent is just absurd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rent, rent and garbage are definitely on the hate list. I don't know why. I mean, even now with COVID and kind of seeing the influx of things and seeing so many people leave, unfortunately, it's definitely been, I mean, just to see all the news articles about New York City, it's kind of too much sometimes for me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, what you mentioned before about like everyone having a purpose, it is true. Like you come here and you know, whether or not you do have a plan when you come here or you figure it out when you're here, yeah, you're figuring it out. Because if you don't want to pay this much rent, if you don't want to have to, you know, feel like you're constantly on the go, you can move anywhere else. Like exactly. you, there's other big cities that are probably not this fast paced. Like I'm not from experience, but maybe if you wanted to move to Chicago and like still be close to home, like I'm sure that you could still get a city life experience there, but it's yeah. never going to be like New York. No, it's nothing like New York. And I grew up always going to Chicago on the weekends with my friends. And like, it's a very clean city compared to New York City. <laughs> but it's not like the same hustle culture. And like, I guess maybe I'm someone, and I know this can be toxic to be part of the hustle culture, but I like love working. I like love my side hustle and social media and blogging. So like, this was really the city where I felt like I found like-minded people. And I feel like I'm also just very motivated constantly. Yeah. You know, there's so many people there that are creative here. I think that this is like the best place if you want to explore that creativity, if you want to explore a passion project. I wanted to give everyone the inside perspective on being a buyer and being a New York City blogger. I hope everyone has gotten a lot of takeaways from this conversation with you. <laughs> Any last minute advice or tips for anyone <laughs> listening? I feel like my number one tip, and I've been saying this a lot lately, is to just follow your heart. And you have to remember that this is your life. And I'm so guilty of being a people pleaser and trying to please others and living my life like how they would expect me to. And that's kind of why I went to school to study science and everything. But just know if you're listening to this and like there's something that you want to do, something you want to work on or go after, or you want to move somewhere else, like and it's something that you're really passionate about, like, don't be afraid to go after that, even if you'll get backlash from your friends or your family. But you just have to remember that this is your life and you need to spend it doing things that you want to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that, you know, a word we've been hearing a lot during COVID time has been pivot. And it's, it's, I feel like it's also been like pivot your business or pivot your brand. But also yeah. I think it's a good time to look inward and, and actually pivot your life if you aren't feeling like you're on the right track anymore or you feel like you could be doing something different I think there are still a lot of opportunities obviously you know some of us are furloughed some of us are still working that you know you might not feel like you're in the right mindset to do it but I think that going back to what you said you have to look at what you want first and then others Absolutely. And like you said, COVID is a great time to do that because regardless, I feel like everyone has a little bit more time in their day, or at least they did for the first few months. So definitely take that time, use it wisely and figure it out like what it is you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kellen, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I would love it if you'd share um, any of your social handles where people can find you and follow along on your journey here in New York City. 
Yeah, definitely. So my blog is kellenmellon.com. Kellen is K-E-L-L-Y-N, melon.com. And then my Instagram is just kellen underscore McMullen. And if you just start typing that in, it'll probably pop up because there's not too many Kellens in the world, I have found out. <laughs> yeah, your, your parents definitely gave you a unique name, which is good for branding purposes. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I will make sure to link everything in the episode description. And then you guys could also head over to the Realistically with Liz website and find all of Kellen's links on the blog post as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. As always, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Realistically with Liz. For more on our guests, visit our website linked in the show notes. And check out our Instagram page at Realistically with Liz. Don't forget to rate and review on your preferred podcast platforms. And we'll see you here next Saturday with a new episode.